All right, guys, Happy New Year is going to be 2020 tonight. We are going to uh, sit down, answer some fan questions for tonight, talk a little bit real briefly about um, the uh, Fatal or Rampage fight as well as um, the cross-promotion between Bellator and Ryzen. Um, hopefully you guys had a chance to watch some of it. Um, there was the fights on the 29th, which was uh, Sunday for us and uh, Saturday, I think, for us. Anyways, uh, the 29th, and then there was also fights uh, late last night. They went into the wee mornings, and uh, I didn't get a chance to catch. I saw Patricky's very first fight, which he ended in 28 seconds by devastating fashion. Um, soccer kick uh, to the head, <laughs> referee stoppage. So a beautiful knockout by him. And then in the finals, he went into the finals with a broken hand. And uh, kind of a, a messed up like leg a little bit. I think he messed it up in the early first round is what, is what from what I'm understanding. But uh, good fight. Good fights. Um, I guess my take on this whole deal is it just lets us know that there's the willingness to compete amongst promotions uh, between Ryzen and Bellator, Scott Coker and Saki Gabara. They've had a past relationship for years. And I, if you guys don't know this, I, I want you guys to understand that for years, you know, Scott Coker used to run K1 USA and K1 Japan was run by uh, K1, basically whoever the promoters were there. So Scott has a good relationship with the Japanese, has a good relationship with uh, those promotions, as well as what I want people to um take a look back at is that there are certain guys that used to fight for strike force that used to fight for scott coker and were able to fight over in pride they were able to fight over in dream me being one of them for both occasions i fought in pride because of uh, scott coker and his relationship with japan i also fight i also fought in dream uh, on, on a new year's eve show against kawajiri because of my relationship with scott coker and so that relationship has been there for years. And if you guys remember, Aoki came over to Strike Force and fought Gil Rolandez. Um, we've had different opportunities and chances. Gegar Musasi had came from, from, I believe, Pride or went from Strike Force to Pride. It was back and forth. We've had guys that have come from Pride and from Dream and fought over in uh, Strike Force. And now you're seeing it as well from. Darian Caldwell and Horiguchi fighting uh, for the title there, as well as Patricky over there fighting um, for the title over there uh, this last weekend, last night. And so Lorenz Larkin was over there. Uh, MVP was over there. I mean, we had a ton of uh, talented people that were over there fighting. Great experience watching uh, two promotions get down on, like, basically New Year's Eve. And I thought it was amazing to see all of this happen because it just lets you know that we can actually do this if you have two promotions that are willing at the end of this at the end of this conversation at the end of the the promotion at the end at the end of this event we're just going to basically say like look this guy is really good and this guy is really good not one promotion is going to be better than the other sure mvp won larkin won you know uh, fedor and rampage fought each other and it was a great fight it was like you know more of a legends fight you guys you guys we all understand that we're not talking like both these guys are in their prime you know um there was never any doubt about that, but it was just a fight that I think people had talked about for years, and it was it was a good opportunity to see this fight. And what better place to do it than in Japan, kind of where Fedor had made his name known, and everyone has has known him because of the Pride Days. And it just it was a good opportunity for I think everyone to be showcased, and for all those all those fighters that have never been able to fight in Japan and have uh 
and, and to have uh, Lenny Harton call your name and announce your name and all like those are things that I remember when I worked for One FC and Rich Franklin was there. Rich was like, man, that was like the one place that I always wish I could have fought. You know, like I didn't ever got to fight in Pride because you were you're locked in to that to that UFC organization. And I'm not just not I'm not saying UFC, but there's other organ. You know, one I think one is very much similar where they, you know they don't want to let their guys really fight outside of that uh, promotion, which I understand. I, I do get I get both sides um, to one and get the other side to. Um, to the UFC, I understand uh, where they're both coming from. You know, one is trying to build their promotion and around the talented people that they have, especially in the Asian market. And the UFC is considered to be the best promotion or the biggest promotion, I should say, in the world. And so they don't want to give credit to any other promotion by having their by having their um, their fighters fight somewhere else and potentially lose. That there's no doubt. I mean, we understand that. Everyone's. I'm not knocking them for doing it. What they're doing. Look, that's their business model, and that's what they want to do, and they want to continue to do it. And you know, they they did it before. They did. Uh, they did a cross promotion one time with Pride. You know, by sending Chuck Liddell over there uh, in their light heavyweight tournament and didn't go so well for for Chuck. He ended up getting a good a win over Alistair Overeem and then losing to to Quentin Jackson. Uh, basically in a referee stoppage and uh, finishing that fight. But it just it didn't didn't go well, but it was a good idea at the time because remember at the time Pride was considered to be the bigger, the basically like more well known. More people gathered around the TV to watch Pride than they did to watch the UFC at that time when that when when they had sent Chuck over there, you know. And so when all that had happened, there there was the UFC was trying to get that leg up, and they recall what happened. I mean, it, it didn't some didn't I don't think it worked out for them very well. But uh, but it was still something that people buzzed about for a long time. Uh, it's sad that we can't see more of that going on now. But I'm glad that Scott Coker and Saki Ibarra with with Ryzen and and Bellator are getting this together. And this would be amazing if this ends up being like a year end show every year where we cross promote one promotion versus the next. I actually there was a lot of talk and buzz when when UFC was bought uh, Strikeforce was bought by a UFC that. UFC was going to keep Strikeforce the way it was, and every year they would have had a year-end promotion because Pride was gone at the time. Dream, I don't think, had really been started or wasn't started at the time or was about to start. But so there was like a lot of uh, you know one was kind of just getting off the ground and and that in that part. And so there was a lot of buzz that like, hey, Wolf, they have the two best promotions, the two biggest promotions. Why don't we have Strikeforce versus UFC? A year-end show every year. Basically, you run two shows as one, you know, separate entities, and and the, our fighters fight each other at the end there. That would have been amazing. I think that would have also got rid of all this this idea of that, like you know, uh, my promotion is better than the other. Like we would have seen who the best was, and they owned both promotions, and they could have put certain guys in certain places, and uh, it would have been great to see like have have the you know. One one set of people sign their people, and one set of people sign theirs, and and try to have them fight each other. That was, I think, there was that buzz for a little bit, and that all faded away quickly. But I do know that there was there some conversation. There was some conversation about potentially keeping, you know, Strikeforce that way for a while, and having them fight each other. Um, you know, cross promotion wise would have been really cool. But it didn't happen, and we're now here with Bellator and Ryzen putting together uh, their year end show. And their cross promotion, and and I like that they did on the 29th. They did the Bellator cage fights, you know, with the with the uh, Ryzen fighters fighting in a, in a cage, and then 
last night they did the Bellator fighters fighting in the Rising Ring, and it just it was it was awesome. It was awesome to see. I think you know with with uh, Patricky. For me, I feel like this is more his style of fighting. Like I, every opportunity he can get to knee someone in the face or kick him in the face, he he took full advantage of it. Um, the guy's a savage, man. I mean, like I feel like he, you know, he went into the second fight, into the finals with a broken hand that he had broken the first fight. I know the fight was only, uh, you know, uh, twenty eight seconds, but we all know that that happens. And for someone who punches as hard as him and. Uh, I can give you a uh, verification on that the first first time I understand he hits really hard so when you when you have somebody like him um they who's basically considered like the number one or number two contender for the title in, in Bellator go over there ends up in the finals uh you know with the broken hand still fights has a great fight goes to the distance uh, I think it's great man it was a great uh great competition. And uh, I'm excited to see what else all this holds and see if we'll, we'll see more of this cross-promotion. I think it's great for the sport. I'd like to see more media coverage of it. I mean, you know, it'd be nice to have more, you know, more of the mainstream media covering something like this, given that we're kind of the first promotions to start doing this. And not just Bellator, but just for the fans. I mean, the fans, this, this is really... This is really what the sport is all about, and I would love to see more of this. I mean, you get to see, you know, relatively unknown guys fight each other, and you get to see uh, against bigger name guys. You get to see, you know, bigger name guys fight bigger name guys. You know, you saw Quinton fight Fedor. You fought, um, you know, we saw Patricky fight some guys that no one had really heard of, but ended up being uh, some very good fights, man. And uh, this was in that lightweight tournament, almost, had, and he had the chance in the finals to win the the Ryzen lightweight uh, world title. So I thought this was a great. Great, uh, a great show, and just the presentation of fighting in Saitama Arena. I fought there against uh, Kawajiri. You know, fifty-something thousand people. I want to say is what it was, fifty-three thousand, fifty-something thousand. So, you guys, this is this is something these fighters are gonna remember for a long time. Scott Coker, I had seen, had posted something about. You know, a lot of these fighters, a lot of fighters wish they they could have fought in the Pride days. They wish they could have fought. You know, in Japan, there's just something nostalgic about fighting in Japan. And, and it's, uh, you know, to have Lenny Hart call your, call your name and announce your name and just with, you know, with her style of announcing her voice. And it's just something I think every fighter when I'm, and like I said, I go back to Rich Franklin, him talking about that and him saying, you know, man, that's the one thing that I wish I could have done. And it would have been great to have her, you know, announce my name and just, it just having just that feeling and of being part of that. And, uh, those, a lot of fighters will never get that opportunity, um, you know, because they've been with the same promotion for the longest time, and a promotion that doesn't cross promote. And so this is this is one thing that I've always loved about Scott Coker that even if you are with him, he still allows you to go and fight and rise in, or he still allows you to go and fight another promotion, and you still come back and you still have a home. And so I think it's great, you know. Um, and I, I'm hope I'm hoping this all ends up building up to be even more than what it what it could potentially be. I think it's going to be great. Um, I guess okay. So for now, we're gonna go into this. This is our last show of the year. Today, uh, today is New Year's Eve, and so we're gonna go right into some fan questions. Uh, Big John, I think, is still probably flying home. Uh, I haven't talked to him. I, I sent him a, a text and said, "Hey, you know, safe travels, and hope to see you." So he's probably still in the air, and um, I'm gonna answer as many questions as I possibly can, probably for the next you know 45 to an hour, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, guys. So let's see what you got. All right. Um, Dominic Schrute asks, do you think Anthony Johnson will jump right into a top 10 fight or will they give him a warm-up fight? Uh, so look, 
It really depends on how Anthony wanted to structure his con his contract. If you're going to pay Anthony Johnson, um, AJ, if you're going to pay AJ, let's just say you wanted to pay him five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a fight. From what I, I'm really really good friends with AJ, and when I had talked to him probably about five months ago, he said, "Look, my figure is a million dollars. If you're not going to pay me a million dollars, I'm not coming back. If you're paying him a million dollars, he's fighting that top ten guy." I just it doesn't make any sense for the promotion to say, yeah, let's give you a million dollars and have you fight a scrub. I'm not a scrub, but a guy that's not in the top ten or in the top fifteen. They need to give him somebody in the top, you know, in the top ten if he's if he's getting a million dollars. If if he's not, if he doesn't fight somebody in the top fifteen or top ten, he's not getting paid as well as he wants. Maybe that is his warm up fight. Look, we'll give you this one warm up fight and we'll move you into a bigger a seven figure contract once you fight a top ten guy. I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't talked to him since about who his opponent potentially will be. Um, I do know that he's trying to get his weight down. He's trying to get it uh, get back in shape. He's putting the work in right now. That's all I do know. Um, we'll see, man. I'm excited to see. I, I I would like to see him go down and fight John Jones. I, I think you, sh you saw with the Gus fight that AJ's got the speed and the power to finish anyone and to get in on long-range guys like he did with Gus. And I think that he can do the same thing to John Jones. I'm look, beating John Jones is never gonna be easy, you know. Um, but AJ Anthony, it's got he's got all the pool all the all the tools and all the potential to do it. He can get in, he's got he's got the takedown defense to stop it. He's also got the ability to uh to land that big one crunch power. And look, none of us have really seen John Jones take a real shot from somebody. You know, I mean I would say Gus is probably the one that's taken is giving him the most damage. But you know, we all know Gus doesn't have a ton of power. You know what I mean? So, and he's got the reach and the range, and he's able to hit you from outside when you can't get inside. Uh, but AJ's got that one crunch knockout power. We've seen it at 170. We've seen it at 205. We've seen it, you know, so many times we've seen it. And so I'd, li I'd like to potentially see him. That's a fight that I, you know, I don't want to look back in, like we're looking back now at Fedor and Quentin and going, hey, I wish that fight would have happened 20 years ago. I want to see that fight now. I'd like to see, you know, maybe you give AJ a warm-up fight, get his weight down, and then maybe you have him fight John Jones. Uh, but I'd like to still see that John Jones fight, and then if AJ wants to go back up to heavyweight, then maybe we see him in heavyweight, or if he just stays at heavyweight. Either way, to answer your question, it really depends on how much money they're paying him on whether he gets a top 10 guy or not. Um, from Ariel, who is your fighter of the year, including Bellator and USC? Uh, what's your fight of the year? This is Ariel Hawani? Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's my fighter of the year? Yep. And fight of the year. Oh, and fight of the year. So both separate. Yeah. So my fighter of the year, it, I, I could have two fighters of the year. So I could, I, for, for me, uh, I'm going to make up my own rules here, buddy. So Ariel, um, I'm going to make up. So my fighters of the year are Patricio Pitbull. Uh, he's one, and then Masvidal is my second. Henry Cejudo's in that close right there. Had he had, I think, one more fight um, after, you know, and he had the surgery, he's been out for a while. But I would go Patricio, and I would go, um, and, I, and I would go uh, Masvidal for sure. So th those two guys, two and very, very impressive knockouts. You know, I, uh, I yeah, th those two guys from from each promotion. I think those are the those are the two guys, and then. Um, you know, I'm not going to forget about one. One FC had a very good fight. Um, I can't even pronounce his last name. Fulong. 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 Anyways, I, he fought 
uh, Brandon Vera. He's also the 205 pound champ, and I believe maybe he's the heavyweight champ. Anyways, he's got. He ended up. He ended up winning. Uh, he ended up beating Brandon Vera. Brandon Vera is one of my good buddies. Super good guy. Great guy. Um, he ended up beating Brandon Vera though, but I thought he had a, he had a great year as well. He trains at Team Hard Knocks, I believe it's three six five Hard Knocks with uh, Henry Hoof and those guys. He's another guy, you know. I mean, if I, I'm going to mention you know promotions, I'm going to mention uh, him as well. He had a I don't know how you say his last name. Yeah, yeah he fought. I'm looking for him. Man. Yeah, look up Brandon Vera. His last uh, his last loss. It'll show you how to. Uh, his his I think it's Foylong Foylong. Long. I can't say his last. Anyways, sorry, man. I'm butchering your name, but you know, um, super um, nice guy. Online. Oh, so you're you got it way off. Yeah, I got it way off. Sorry, I was way off. Online sang. Okay. I'm just not gonna even pronounce. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, uh, good good fights. You know, like they were a lot of good guys, but I would give those three guys probably the fighters of the year as far as fight of the year. Oh man, who knows, man? Uh, there's a lot of good fights that we've had. Fight of the year. Ah, what's a good fight? I'm thinking fight of the year. I mean, I, like, yeah, I, I know it's the most, I know it's the most recent, but I'm trying to think in terms of, man. I, I know it's the most recent. That's what it's not fair to say that. I'm just trying to think. And like, I would say Usman and Colby was probably so far. I think you know the fight of the year. I think um, I thought Gegard Mousasi and Lovato was a fucking phenomenal fight. Um, I happened to be there for that fight and live watching it. And um, gosh, man, I'm trying to think. Pulling up a list just to see. So Gaslam Adesanya get get big. That hit. was a good fight as well. That was a good fight. Colby um, Poyer too. No, nah, I didn't like that one as much. Uh, Barberina and... No. Uh, um, oh, Romero Acosta was a good fight. That was a great fight as well. Um. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, I mean, like... The Romero Acosta was a, was a really good fight as well. I was there live for that fight as well. Um, Tom Masvidal, I like that one. The what? Till Masvidal? It was okay. Like, up until the actual knockout, it was just, it wasn't a great fight. That's the thing. I'm thinking in terms of, like, what fights were action-packed for the whole fight, you know? And normally, fights of the year are not fights that end by, like, a, like a knockout in the first round or second round. It's a fight that, like, they went back and forth, back and forth, and maybe someone got finished at the very end. But, um, I, I mean, honestly, another fight you could say, and only because of the way it ended, well, and I'm not a big Yair Rodriguez fan, but him and Korean Zombie, that was, uh, that was a good fight. I don't know if that happened this year. I think it did happen this year. I think it was early this year. Um, what other fight was there this year? Um, I'm trying to think Bellator fights as well. How many rounds did Pico Corrales go? Uh, it only went one. Was it just first? Yeah, just one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I think the ones you saw at the top were yeah. probably amongst. Uh, oh, oh, uh, wasn't Brian Ortega and and uh, Max uh, Max Holloway this year? I think that was last year. Was that last year? That was a great fight as well. That was probably one of my favorites. Um, Let's see. 
That was, uh, yeah, December 8th. Ah, December 8th, so that was last year, yeah. That was a great fight as well. Uh, in, in terms of, like, guy, I'm trying to think of fights from uh, Bellator. I haven't seen a whole lot of the fights from one. Um, I got to start watching a little bit more of their footage and what's and what they're doing. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say probably, I mean, like, only because it's most recently in my mind would probably be that fight. Um, you know, and going from there. What other fights were this year that I really enjoyed? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Did Khabib fight this year? Yeah, he fought. Oh, he uh, fought Poirier. Yeah, he fought Poirier. Mm. He fought somebody else before that as well. This year? I thought, I thought it was. He fought no. Connor. He fought Connor. Um, so he's only fought one time this year? Yeah. I don't think so. I thought he fought twice. Uh, no, just one time, huh? Yeah, just one time. Really? Interesting. Oh, yeah, he's got to be a little more active. All right. Oh, uh, next question. Oh shit. Um, from Thunder Robinson, uh, you had an awesome game plan for Nate when you fought him. If you were to face Connor in your prime, what would be your game plan? Um, you know, I, in my prime, I probably wouldn't have realized. Like now that I've seen as much footage of him, I wouldn't have realized. You know how to try to beat him. I would have probably tried to, you know, strike from the outside and then get and then close the distance and get in on the takedown. But I mean, after now watching him, uh, so like as a fan and not so much as a fighter, I have a different uh, outlook and different perspective. If I watch, I watched him against um, against Nate, and I've watched him, you know, against other couple other guys. Him against the fence, he's not all that to me. I feel like he in the clinch and against the fence, he's not. He, he, there's less likeliness of him to do a lot of damage, and people have a hard time getting into the fence, and that's what the issue is. But I think if you have, if you want to have a chance, is to rough him up against the fence, make take away his reach and his range as well as his kicks, and fight him in that clinch. When I watched him against Nate, you know, to me, I felt like Nate. The easiest way to beat Nate was to press him to the fence, elbow, clinch, knees, work, do that type of work. And and it just it made it easier for me because physically he is not strong. So when I see when I saw kind of like a little bit of the um, the struggles that 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 Connor had against Nate or like the the just the back and forth that they had was against the fence. I feel that that was when you take away his power, you take away his kicks, is when you're inside close, inside range, making him try to use elbows, taking away his his power and his kicks. Those those are me would have been the, the key points. Now though, if if I look back, if I'm looking back now. If I was younger, I would have just like, I would have probably tried to stand a little bit more. I probably would have tried to fight him the same way he fought. He fights most people with staying like a little bit on the outside, try to use my speed to get in. You know, on the on the single leg, I would have probably kicked the calf, kicked the legs, you know, things like that. But you got to be careful with his. He's got a good counter left, and we see it a lot with you know with the Eddie fight, a little bit with the um, the Nate fight. You know, he, he's 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 uh he's good at the distance. Big John McCarthy talks about this all the time. He has never been in the cage with someone who controls the distance so well with his footwork and his range and all that. And and Big John had talked about it several times, saying that like. Inside the cage, he's like, it's it's masterful to see him just control that distance with his footwork. See, there's parts where I'm sitting here watching Eddie and, and him fight. 
I think Eddie should have just kept him pressed to the fence, and I would have made a focus to try to keep him as pressed to the fence as possible, never giving him the space to go ahead and use his punching and his power, you know, as well as his kicks. So um, that would have been my game plan against him was, you know, now that I look back at it and I see all the, the kind of, I feel like the weaknesses in his game. And what I mean by weaknesses is like, it's not easy. I'm just, it's, it would have, I think that would have been the, the way or the potential way for me to beat him, you know, if that could have happened. So. Next question. Mm -hmm. uh, Emperor Palpatine asks, Darren Till came out and said that he was terrified before the Gaslam fight and wanted a way out before the fight happened. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a fight where you felt the same crippling fear in the build-up? Um, no, I never wanted a way out. Actually, I guess there's just a different... I don't know if we're just a different demographic of, of fighters or whatever it is, but I just... I truly... I truly loved fighting. You know, I loved being in there. I loved, I loved the uh, buildup. I loved the training. I loved all of that. Um, no, I, I never, I never had the feeling of like I don't want to be here. I always had the feeling of like in fifteen minutes or twenty five minutes, you know, um, after this fight, I'm going to get paid and I'm going to be able to have a drink. I'm going to be out, you know, I'll be at the, I'll be at the club popping bottles and and hanging out for that one night, you know. But there was many of times where. You know, I partied hard that night after the fight, and then by Monday morning, I was in the gym training again because I loved it that much. And so, no, there was never there was never a fight that that I that made me feel that way. I, I loved it. I lo enjoyed it. Um, win or lose, I, I you, you know, I just sure it always sucked when you lost, but I still loved it. You know, and uh, I loved being a part of it. I didn't like losing. There was a I had that skid when I lost to Benson. You know, I lost to Bobby Green. I lost to Tony Ferguson. There was three fights in a row that I lost, and I just I never lost. You know, two in a row. I never lost. Definitely, I never lost three in a row. And it just was uh, it weighed on my mind a lot. You know, and just those those are the moments kind of that kind of bugged me a little bit. Like, man, do you really want to do this anymore? Like, you know, if you I was never in it just for the money because, I mean, obviously when we first started fighting, I first started fighting in 97, there was no money, you guys. Like, people, the, the fighters now, they come in, and I'm not knocking the fighters now. I'm just simply saying that they come in with an expectation of making five and ten grand. I paid 25 bucks my first fight. I paid to fight $25, you know? And then my second fight, I made $150. My third fight, I made $300. And that was kind of stagnant at that stage of making, like, 200 300 you know somewhere in there for the next like seven or eight fights you know and then i went and started fighting for bob uh for bob cook and and aka and you know and we started getting fights i started making 500 bucks a fight then a thousand dollars a fight and it was all it was like there was no money like you know i mean i want people to understand when i fought eves edwards i was i was the number one guy in the world in the rankings for 155 pounds him and i were supposed to be for the the ufc uh lightweight title and they just were having a hard time funding, you know, another division that they really were just like, look, we're not sure if we can make this a main event type thing right now. You know, we're having lighter guys, you know, headline cards. No different than what you see like the 125 pound weight class, you know, going through right now. And so when I fought Eves for that fight, my contract, I think, was eight and eight. I would have made 16 grand had I won. Think about that. Had I been the UFC champion making $16,000? That's crazy, you know, and then everyone knows I lost that fight. So I really only walked away with $8,000. That's it. I was the number one guy in the world in that in that division. BJ Penn had just it went up to in weight. He'd beat Matt, uh, Matt Hughes. Was, I think he'd already left the UFC by that time because they couldn't get the contracts right. You know, um, it's like 
it just it just we didn't do it for the money like and i'm not like i said i'm not knocking the new generation of guys just things have changed times have changed um when more money gets involved you get more talented people involved you know and uh i was never the most talented person i was never the best wrestler never the best kickboxer never the best you know um boxer or any of those things you know jiu-jitsu guy i was never the best at any of those things but i you know i beat world-class jiu-jitsu guys i beat hermes franca i beat gerald Strebent. i beat guys at the time that were considered some of the best you know in jiu-jitsu and then you know i beat uh some stand a lot of good stand-up guys you know i was never the best kickboxer never the best boxer and uh it just i loved it i did it but no there was never a fight that i sat in the back and was like man i don't feel like walking out there but that nervous energy sometimes brings the best out in you. And look at what happened with Darren Till. It did. It brought the best out of him. I think he's better at this weight class. He's a, a mountain of a man. Jeez, man. I didn't realize how big he was until I saw him squared up against Gaslam. I'm like, dude, you're enormous. And so a fight with him and Israel Adesanya or a fight with him and, you know, another another top three guy, I would love to see. But I think he's getting I think I think he's found his home at 185. Those nervous uh those nervous feelings, those type of things, bro, they they can sometimes make you shine. And I think I think it made him shine. I think him, I think the weight cut down to 170 was just too much. I think it showed against Mazadal, not to knock, not to take anything away from Mazadal. It just he was not the same fighter. He looked so much better, so much more fluid, so much more energy. You know, in, in the Gaslam fight, he fought a faster fight, he fought a better fight. He's I don't know. He seemed like he was just better at that weight class now only time will tell whether he gets to the top and, and is able to win the title at that weight class but uh, that nervous energy sometimes can can guide you to be to be better than you would normally be and i, I think i think it showed for him against gaslam next question mm -hmm. uh pd world asks josh what aspects of tony's game do you think will be the most difficult for khabib to deal with the elbows that's it i think the elbows only I don't think any other part of his game will be a threat to Khabib. Look, I, look, I, there's Dave when he did the edit for the cut when we did the the breakdown. He didn't he didn't forgot to put in the fact that I I said that I'm gonna play devil's advocate and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about how Tony can win. So it seems like I'm ripping Khabib in this whole thing when in reality Dave just didn't do his job. So what happened was I'm sitting there talking because everyone knows that I train with Khabib and so. Everyone thinks I'm going to take Khabib's side, which I'm going to take Khabib's side because I think Khabib, until proven otherwise, I don't think he can be beaten. And, but people, I want to give people an unbiased perspective on. I think Tony, he has he out of all the guys that Khabib's ever fought, he's got the most realistic chance of beating him. Do I think he's going to do it? No, I don't think he's going to do it at all. Not to mention he's getting older. Time has lapsed since the first time they were supposed to fight. He's 35. I don't know when he's going to turn 36, you know, in February. So, I mean, he'll be 36 by the time they fight, right? They fight in April. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'll be 36 by the time they fight, you know? And then we won't see Khabib again until, you know, until sometime in September again because, you know, he has Ramadan. He's got time with his family, all those things, time off for, you know, to heal up, all those things. So... Do I think that Tony has a chance? He's got a chance. I think he's got a cutter's chance. What I mean by that is his elbows, they do damage. I'm walking proof. I mean, every, it seemed like every time he threw an elbow, it cut me. And I've said this I don't know how many times. I think Dave's probably tired of hearing me say this. Okay, is it? That's the type of chance he has. A submission chance, I, there is one, but I just, it's so hard, man. It's so hard. 
and I've trained with Khabib and rolled with Khabib and, you know, and there's, and we won't get into, you know, those type of things, but I'm simply saying the submission aspect of it all, sure, there's a little bit of a chance, but I would say it's probably less than 8%, 10%, less, less than 10% chance he gets caught, you know, um, cuts you know, given that he has a shaved head, given that like there's nothing to stop the blood or kind of clog the blood from flowing into his face if he gets cut onto the top of his head, you know, the head bleeds a lot more, um, you know, the scalp and all that bleeds a lot more than, you know, other areas of your body. So I just, I don't see it happening, but I do think that the, the, the ways that he can do it is make it a dirty, grimy fight. And what I mean by that is, you know, while he's against the cage, never letting Khabib settle in one spot, elbowing the side of the head, you know, uh, pushing on the face to elevate an elbow, you know, like um, using his forehead against Khabib's forehead, you know, trying to out-gritty Khabib. That's the only way that I see him doing it. Size may play a factor as well, like height-wise, length-wise, all those things. Khabib's got to close the distance. That push kick, the long-range jab, um, are going to play a factor on how Khabib gets in. You know, if he can, if if Tony can keep Khabib on the outside with his long range jab and that push kick, he's got more of a chance. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I mean, everyone's tried that. Everyone's tried the side kicks to the body. Everyone's tried the push kicks. I try them all the time. You know, but also Tony is not me. Tony Tony has a different type of push kick than I have. You know, um, so what I do to Khabib is not as effective as in what maybe Tony could do to Khabib. You know, I'm giving you guys an unbiased opinion here that he's got a chance. I, I give him less than 10% chance, but I give him a chance. You know, I give him I give him more of a chance than I would have gave. And I'm Dustin Poise, uh, a friend of mine. I really, you know, um, really good guy. But I, get, I gave Dustin almost zero to no chance. I gave him a puncher's chance, which is like a 1% or 2% chance. Khabib's got, or Tony's got elbowing's chance. Uh, Tony's got... Getting a cut, you know, getting a cut, he's got those, he's got a submission chance. I give him a small submission chance and a small elbow chance, but he's got a chance. So the factors, I think, when to answer your question is the push kick and the long-range jabs and the long-range punching. If he utilizes those three things, that that may push Khabib into like, you know, getting hit with a clean shot, potentially rocking him and then jumping onto a submission. That might be what he can do. Um, you know, or potentially cutting him as he comes in, like kind of what he did with me. Cut him as he comes in, or when Khabib hangs his head down by the waist or in his guard, just you know, Tony likes to elbow from the guard, and there's and there's not much you can do to get out of his guard. You go to posture up, and he's so long, you can just pull your head back down because he's so long. So wherever Khabib rests his head, he's got to make sure he's not resting his head in a position that he can be elbowed and cut. So those are my ways that I think that Tony can win the fight. Next question. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh. Crispy asks, if MVP rematches Lima, will MVP do less of the theatrics and have a better chance of winning? Will he ever be a champion? Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be a champion. I can't answer that. Um, I do know that he has the potential to be the champion. I also know that, I also think that when you say less of the theatrics, I say no, no, not at all. Because that's kind of what makes him good is the feints, the, the movement, the shoulder rolls, the switching of the stance. You guys, those are all things that make him good. I mean, that's what, you know, you see Israel Adesanya, he moves around a lot like that, not as much as as MVP. And then, um, you know, Anderson Silva did it for a long time. You know, the movement of the hands where he kind of ran his hands in a circle, kind of fainted, you know, 
lift the knee, turn the knee. You know, Machida does it a little bit, switches stance a lot, kind of shows his hip, brings his hip back. There's little things that people do that work for them. Uh, for MVP, this works for him. Um, do I think he can beat MVP or do I think he can beat Lima? I don't know, man. It's going to be a tough task. I mean, the power that Lima has in his kicks, which we saw in their first fight, and the power he has in his hands, which we see every time Lima fights. Um, he's also, he's also, I think Lima's also better on the ground than uh, than MVP. Do I think MVP is good? I think he has the potential. Look, he had he had Lima guessing, but. I look at Lima, I don't want to say he is like Wilder, but he has that potential of being like a Wilder. He only needs to win one second of one round to end the fight. MVP, same kind of thing, but sometimes he, you know, he needs he needs the right moment. MVP or Lima doesn't really need the right moment. He creates the moment, the leg kick to the punch, the just the straight punch or just the leg kick to stop. I mean, like he just he he's he's on he's on a different level right now than 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 anyone I think anyone in in the organization besides Patricio. So Patricio and him I think those two guys are just on a different level right now, um, in in the promotion at Bellator. Uh, MVP is right up there. I know people are giving him a lot of flack for the people that he's fighting, but you have to remember though as well is that he's still young. And look, once you get to that's the thing I think with fighter young fighters. Uh, and the fans, they want him to go, go, go. And then you end up with situations like Aaron Pico. Like, oh, he should be fighting this guy because he's so good. He's sparring with Miguel Cotto. The fight is a lot different than training. We're not we're not talking about sparring. We're not talking about practice like, you know, Allen Iverson said. Like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a fight. The fight is completely different than what happens in the gym, you know. And, and, and I think that Lima right now is on a different level than the rest of the guys in that weight class. And, uh... You know, I think if he loses because he pretty much is kind of like, okay, look, what's next for me? You know, I think he maybe is thinking like, okay, what's this? I'm getting bored of beating the same guys. I think that's the only way he's going to really lose. There is talk right now. I've talked to Gegard. Gegard has said that um, there is potential of him coming down to 170, you know, to fight uh, Lima because he admires Lima. He likes Lima. Um, and he like he, you know if I think for him he, he walks around like 184 183 so it's not that big of a cut for him and he's he's interested in doing that potentially so that might be a fight that we potentially see uh shortly I don't know if it'll be next I doubt it will be but I think uh that's potentially a fight that we can see next question mm-hmm. uh from Jake real uh, if Cyborg beats Bud, does this prove what Dana White said about fighters looking for easy fights and that's why they leave the UFC? And also, what do you expect for Cyborg if she becomes a champ? Uh, pull up pull up Julia Bud. Julia Bud's got two losses. I want to say one is to Amanda Nunes like early in her career. And I think the other one is to Ronda Rousey. She's got two losses. So you're going to tell me a person with a two-loss record who at the time had lost to people um, you know, that basically tried to jiu-jitsu fuck them. Yeah, I mean, like she, she got, she, got, I think she got armbarred in uh, against uh, Rousey, you know, and then she got TKO'd or KO'd by uh, Amanda Nunes. Cyborg got KO'd by Amanda Nunes. Like it's like we're when we're talking about this is not an easy fight for her. The 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 thing with Julia Budd, the I feel like the only way Julia Budd loses this fight if she loses it before she gets in there in her brain. 
like in her head, if she loses this fight before she gets in there, I think she's always had that feeling like, do I, do I deserve to be in here? Do I have, I've always got that vibe and that feel from her and people have talked about like, I don't think so. I think, I think she has every opportunity to beat Cyborg and no, this doesn't prove anything. Like they're like we saw and like we said last like we saw last night with with Ryzen. You know, we have we have people that in Bellator that I feel are really, really good. Ryzen's also got their own fighters that are really, really good. She's not looking for easier fights. She's looking Cyborg's looking for to be treated properly. So that's why she left the organization. She was willing to take that fight. She just didn't want. She she was ready to sign the contract with uh, Amanda Nunes again. She just didn't want to win and be stuck to it because champions can't lose or can't leave. She didn't want to be stuck in another three fight deal with them. So she wanted to continue fighting. So she wanted that fight, and it was a one fight deal. So if she would have lost. She would have. They would have cut her or left. Let her go. But if she would have won, she would have been locked into another three fights. So when Dana tells you guys the story, he's not telling you the full story. The full story is if she wins, she's locked into another three fights. If she loses, she can go ahead and leave. So it's, it has nothing to do with that. She just didn't, she wanted the opportunity to win and still leave. Well, they don't do that. And that's smart on the promotion side. That's smart on, they, they got burned by uh, BJ Penn years ago and they learned their lesson to not allow that to happen. And, and so then that's why they do that's why they do their contracts that way now. Julia Bud can win this fight. If she does win this fight, uh, if she loses this fight, it, I think it's potential because of whatever's in her brain, whatever in her head, like makes her feel like she potentially can't beat Cyborg. You gotta remember, there's a, still an aura about Cyborg that uh like when I answer the Darren Till question, like it some fighters get nervous, like, man, I'm fighting this person who she has, you know, if you scroll down, how long when was the last time a man uh cyborg lost? It was over 10 years ago. Yeah, 2005. Yeah, 2005. I mean, that's that's we're talking almost 15 years, 14 years, something like that. It's like, that's crazy. I mean, that's a long time for someone not to lose. So when, when, they, when they have, when they're toting, uh, I think when they're toting Amanda Nunes around saying that she's the GOAT, it's hard to say she's the GOAT. I mean, Cyborg's been winning for 15 years. She has one loss in 15 years or 14 years or whatever. It's pretty hard to say that. Like when they talk about, and I love Max Holloway, when they talk about him being the GOAT, you know, when you've got Jose Aldo who's undefeated for 10 something years, like, no, nah, I, I think let's, let's slow, let's pump the brakes. Let's, you know, call it what it is. I get it. Promotions are trying to pump their guys that are the champions at the time, but it's hard. It's hard to do that. You know, it's hard to do that. Um, when that happens. So anyways, uh, Julia has a, I think she has a really good chance of beating her. Do I think she'll get it done? I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that question. It depends on Julia and what goes on in her head. If she can stay focused and realize and, and know that she belongs out there. And I know she's the champion, but like I said, there's a stigma. There's a, there's a, there's an aura about, about uh cyborg. And that, that aura is that she's an animal, man. And there's no doubt. You can't argue those facts. She's an animal. So uh, it's going to be a good fight though. I can't wait to see it. Mm. This next one comes from Vincent Tura. It's a little long winded. So try and stay with me here. Uh, <laughs> Josh, I honestly think with your level of wrestling and how far you came with your stand-up, uh, if you cut to 45 and not 55 in your prime, you could have contended for the Bellator or UFC belt at featherweight. Let's say you at 31 completely healthy. I think you could have had a real shot of being featherweight champ. So I want to know, uh, is, would cutting to 45, would it have been too hard for you? Uh, well, I fought Kid Yamamoto at 143. 
and that it wasn't too hard. It was, and I took the fight on two weeks' notice, so I actually made that weight that weight within two weeks. Uh, but I also realized that I didn't want to try to maintain that weight. You know, um, it just wasn't for me. And you guys got to remember, and I, I I appreciate the question, but I was always a top guy at one fifty five. So why would I put my body through all that? through all that torture every fight that just didn't make any sense i mean there wasn't a i think i don't i think for the longest time i, I even though i was in strike force i was still ranked in the the mma and what sure dog polls and all the other polls i was always ranked in the top 10 i don't think i was ever outside the top 10 uh up until i lost to bobby green i think was my last i think the, when i lost to bobby green that pushed me outside the top 10 or i was number nine or something like that at the time anyways but i was in that 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 border but I mean, ever since i left the ufc when i lost to eves edward which i was number one at the time even after that like there was there there was the 155 pound weight class was kind of in a disarray but you had joaquin hansen aoki eddie alvarez you had um you know, Gilbert Melendez, they were all like kind of in the top 10. And then I was like number eight or number nine in there somewhere seven or something like that in that mix at that time as well. Going all the way back to that, those times, Kawajiri was in there. Um, you know, some other guys, Buscapi was in there. Like a lot of guys that were in that division were in that top 10 than other organizations because the UFC didn't have that weight class anymore. So even then I was still in the top 10. But then when I went to, but then, but then when I went to Strike Force, I started getting wins. You know, um, I think I was out of the top ten for like a short period of time because I lost to Clay Guida. When I lost to Clay Guida, then I came back and beat Harris Sarmento. Then I beat um, Dwayne Ludwig, and then I beat. Then I think I think I think I think I beat Nam Fan or Gill or somebody next. I don't know. Nam Fan. Yeah, I beat Nam Fan. Then Nick Gonzalez was a last minute replacement. Adam Lynn knockout first round. You know, then I beat Gil Melendez. Then I beat Ash Bowman, and then I fought Gill again and lost the title. But during that segment, there I was still ranked in the top ten. Gill and I had a, a really good fight, considered probably one of the fights of the uh, you know of the decade. You know, if not one of the best fights ever in MMA history. Then I fought Pat Healy. Then I fought. Uh, uh, Jay-Z, uh, Josiah's Cavalcante fought Jay-Z. Like, there was wins in there that, against guys that were in the top 10. You know, I fought Kawajiri. I took that fight on 10 days notice for New Year's Eve in, in Japan. Uh, K1 Dynamite. You know, it was just those. There was fights. I fought KJ Nunes, fought Gilbert Lennons again, lost a close split decision. Super pissed off about that fight because I would have fought Benson for the title then. You know, there was a lot of things. I ended up beating Nate Diaz. I mean, that I was in the top 10. Always beat guys that were considered to be in the top 10. I was always beating those guys. You know, um, I just had my nemesis. My nemesis was Gil. You know, and every time I got to the title and I beat him the first time and then the second time he beat me and then it just was one of those things, man. Uh, oh, there we go. Yeah. It was just one of those things. So, uh no, I, I never, I never really considered making going to to one forty five. That answers the question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, so this question, where is it? Um, comes from Johnny Utah. He asked Josh, "Do you think Kobe will be less competitive after suffering a broken jaw? And do you know if anyone has ever become champion after sustaining such a bad injury? Kobe is a beast, but that was a career altering fight, in my opinion." Uh... You know, look, there's a lot of rumors going around that Kobe is kind of like a little bit of a mental midget. Um, but I saw what I saw that night was absolutely not a mental midget. But they, what I mean by mental midget is that people talk about the fact that he, 
that he sometimes second guess like why he is like should he be there does he deserve to be there does you know like uh Masrad came out and said you know he used to basically like talk all the time about like you know this girl doesn't like me this is like those is someone just second guessing himself all the time like you know the, the self-confidence being there um after his fight I feel like he has nothing to worry about he belongs in that conversation and as far as the injury goes I mean a broken jaw is a broken jaw it'll heal it's a broken bone it's a, it, it, it'll heal It'll be fine. He may have problems with it. I don't know. But I mean, like, just he'll have to just invest in a better mouthpiece. I mean, I don't know. Like, whatever it is, but I think he'll be fine. Mentally is is what is more important. I think it mentally, I think he understands that he, he I mean, he went out there, he fought a good fight, just didn't get it done. I mean, the bottom line is Kamar Usman was the better man that night. And moving on, I mean, I, I don't I don't see anybody else in that weight class that can beat him though. You know, uh, I think Dos Anjos had said he wants to fight him again. I don't know if that's a fight that Dos Anjos really wants. That level of intensity, that conditioning, that cardio, that someone who's in your face and pushing you in the grill. I mean, we may see that fight again, but I, I think the only one that I could see potentially beating him would be like a Damian Maya, that type of person. You know, um, I would like to have seen him and maybe Ben Askren. That would have been a good fight. You know, for me, I think that would have been a phenomenal fight to see those two guys go at it. Because I think Ben, that's the kind of that's the style of guy that I could see beating Colby. But the rest of the guys in that division, I don't, I don't really see it. I don't see it happening a whole lot. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you uh, you put him against Woodley. That might be a fight to have. I mean, given all the trash talk from previous times. Um, but no, I don't think it's life altering. I don't think it's career changing. I think he is I think he's right there. I think he's ready to go, man. He's uh it, it depends on him, but I, I think I think he'll be back for the title. I think him and Usman will do it again. If Usman still becomes still stays as champion. All right, we're coming back to MVP again on this one. This this is three people asking essentially the same question. So Ben, Connor, Scullion, and Notorious Nain Nain are all kinda asking the same thing of why does MVP keep getting put with people that no one knows but but being considered this top beast. Yeah, because, like, I mean, here's the thing. Let's look at MVP's record. So he's lost to Douglas Lima. What do you mean no one knows? So he's beat Dave Rickles. He beat Paul Daly. He beat, uh, who was the other guy? Um, the other guy that I was talking about. Uh, Fernando Gonzalez was pretty tough. Kind of a boring. He beat uh, Cyborg, who was uh, a ton of experience. I mean, up until then, though, he was relatively you know, young, young and unknown like himself. He's still trying to make a name for himself. So like beating these other guys, he's, he started his pretty much started his career in, in Bellator. I mean, a lot of his fights are through Bellator. So you've got to build those guys up. And I've said this, I said this earlier, otherwise you end up with an Aaron Pico, like somebody who wants to be rushed along or somebody who believes that like the promotion should be built around them. And then you end up, there's so much pressure that gets put on you that you lose. We're not putting pressure on him. This is how stars are born. This is how people are developed. I mean, you guys got to recall, there was a lot of guys that Connor fought that no one even knew who the hell they were. You know what I mean? Now, later on, after they lost to Connor, they became, you know, bigger stars, but they they weren't great back then. You know what I mean? Like, Dustin Poirier wasn't a world, be a world beater back then when he fought Connor. Now, look at Dustin. Dustin's one of the best in the game. You know, Max wasn't one of the best. He wasn't great back then either. You know, and then now, you know, now he's one of, he is probably one of the best in the game, if, if, if not the best, you know, coming off his loss, but still, like, he, 
those guys are in the top echelon of fighters only now after coming off of a loss, you know, to Connor, to someone else. Like, you guys, fighting is, it, it's a confidence game. When you lose, it's hard to get back on track. And once you get back on track, it's like, okay, I can't be beat. Something's working for you. Something's clicking for you mentally. And then you just tie that all into physically making it work for you. And I think he's, I think we're slow playing it right now, but also too, his fight on New Year's Eve, it wasn't supposed to happen, but the Benson fell off. And so Japan Rising was like, hey, we need a star to come on as well. You can't just have Chandler and Sydney Outlaw fight as the co-main. We need somebody else on there. So they called up MVP and said, hey, we have a Japanese guy who's a wrestler slash like jujitsu guy. Would you be interested in fighting? He said, yeah. He's somebody that he doesn't turn the fights down. Like, you know, he, 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 he fought Lima, didn't go his way. But not a lot of guys that fight Lima doesn't go their way. So let's let's cut him some slack. I mean, he fought Paul Daly. He fought Dave Rickles, who's got a ton of fucking fights. He fought Fernando Gonzalez, who's got a ton of fights. And who has also beat, I believe, he beat Paul Daly, I think, in a kickboxing match. Um, he's fought uh, Cyborg, Evangelista Santos, which is uh, Cyborg's ex-husband. Fought him. Like, he's fought guys that people know. Just his last his last fight was against this kid named, or his last couple fights. Uh Malilo was a last-minute replacement. Richard Kiley was uh, uh, considered like a same style of kickboxer, that flashy style, like Taekwondo-style guy. And he talked his way into that fight saying he could beat MVP. He couldn't beat MVP. But he wanted the chance and the opportunity, so they gave it to him. Also, they're both, you know, both those guys are from the UK. Both of them were, had been trash-talking for years. The fight was done. It was done in the UK because it was a big draw over there in the UK. You guys are talking about, I, people are, fans are talking about and criticizing it, but we're also doing what's best for the market that we're in as well. So we put those fights together for whatever the market is that we're in. Look, we're sl they are kind of slow, plowing MV uh, slow uh, rowing MVP, but at the end of the day, you're building stars. Like, you know, the, the same thing they did with Conor McGregor, the same thing they did with other guys in the past. So just, just slow it down and let's go ahead and uh, see what happens next. I think 2020 is going to be his breakout year of him getting to fight, you know, hit for having him fight guys like a Larkin. Uh, a, I'd love to see him and Lorenz Larkin fight. That'd be fucking amazing to me. So you have Lorenz Larkin and him. You've got uh, potentially him fighting uh, Korshkov. You've got him fight up, you know, whatever, a bunch of other guys. I'd like to see him fight in that top up upper echelon guys. I'd like to see him fight fucking uh, John Fitch. See if he can get past John. Those are those are some fights that he should be in there with. Do you think John Fitch will get the title shot? I don't think so. I'd like to see him get it though, but I don't think so. Mm. I don't even know what he's doing, man. I haven't seen any of the activity on him or anything. I don't know. Crazy. Um, the last samurai asks, "What do you think about Usman taking on Masvidal? Do you think if Conor wins against Cowboy, Masvidal will take Conor rather than Usman for the belt? Of course, the easier fight for Mas Masvidal and more money." Um. Look, if Connor wins, I think he takes the Connor fight. 100% he takes the Connor fight. It's about the money. Not only is it about the money, but it's about legacy, I think, for him. And he's already proven that he don't give a shit about the titles. He doesn't care. He's he's got the BMF belt, whatever it is, but like he just doesn't care. It's like not a big deal to him. Like and like I was trying to talk to you guys earlier about is that, you know, Masvidal's been around for a long time, man. He's been a road dog. So like he he don't care. Like when he got into this, like when I got into this, and when you know, like Randy Couture got into it, BJ Penn. There was no money involved in this. There was like I told you guys earlier. When I fought Eves, I made eight grand. I would have made sixteen thousand dollars to potentially fight. that fight should have been for the UFC World Title for the lightweight division. 
that's nothing. Like there was no money back then when this guy started the fight. So right now this is his opportunity. He doesn't care about the belts. Whichever one makes him the most money and leaves him leaves him financially stable for the rest of his life, that's the fight I could see him taking. You know, and I, I think and also too the Connor fight's an easier fight for him over Usman. Do I do I think he beats both guys? Yes. I think he beats both guys. Next question? Mm-hmm. Um Shit, I just had it a second ago. <laughs> um, let's go with let's go with this one. Brad Resk asks, "What's the chance we can see you fight Chandler?" I wanted to see that fight really bad. Um, this many chance? <laughs> There's no chance at all. There's one fight I'm coming back for, uh, which will be the Gilbert Melendez fight. If that fight happens to to come about, um, Bellator's accepted my offer on what I'm looking to do. Uh, on how much, on what I'm asking for, and uh, they're they're on board. So uh, we're waiting on Gil, you know. So it's in Gil's hands on on what he wants to do. But for 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 me, it's one fight. I'm one and done. Uh, that will be my last fight, and um, that's it. I will officially retire uh, after I fight Gil if that fight happens. And so um, with Gil, I believe Gil wants a multiple fight deal. And if that fight, if, if he does sign it, his fight with me will be separate from whatever his contract is. So I think they're trying to potentially work out a multiple fight deal with him. I don't know exactly where they're at in that stage and what's going on. But uh, I do know that Gil has, has interest in fighting multiple times, uh, potentially for Bellator. So When is Bellator back in San Jose? Uh, I want to say April. April? April or May, yeah. Mm. And be it, won't be, April. it won't be April, though. It won't be? No, we, Even, won't, we won't fight in April. Okay. You, no. If we did fight, it would probably be the September. Okay. Why would you push it that far? Yeah, I need time to get in shape. I haven't done shit. Okay. But I haven't done anything. Yeah. You're going to have and, Khabib here in it for April, though? Yeah, I'll have Khabib here. So he can beat your ass and Yeah, but he'll months. also be back in September. Mm, okay. Yeah. Right. Because he has Ramadan through, I want to say it's June and July or mm, like through that period, like that, yeah. sometime in that period. And then when he gets back July, usually he'll take a fight September, October, November, somewhere in there. He likes to fight around that time, you know? So... All right, we'll close it out with this one. Sure. I mean, how many more do you have? Uh, not a l- nah, not a lot. I've okay. got this is this is the last kind of good one here. Okay. Um, what's your most anticipated fights for the new year? There's a lot, man. I, ha- I have a lot of anticipated fights that I'd like to see. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny is I know it sounds really cheesy and corny, but. Patricio had said something about uh, I did an interview I think he was talking with Big John McCarthy And it was like We were just kind of chatting it up or whatever But I, I do recall him saying You know like Hey are you just going to like relinquish the belt So your brother could fight for the vacant title I was like fuck no And make my brother fight me for it And he's like What's the difference if we fight in the cage Or if we fight you know Like we do at practice every day It's like it doesn't And I, I understand it It just seems a little far fetched But it would be kind of cool To see two brothers Especially two brothers that are nasty good, you know, and like they're, they're big, heavy punchers and just, I don't, I don't know. It would love, I would love to see it, but it would be, it'd be, it'd be, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But to me, that would be like an anticipated fight, something like that. As far as outside of that, you know, I mean, I I wouldn't say there's a specific fight that I'm looking for. I would say the Connor and, and Mazadal fight. I would like to see Lima and John Fitch to see if Lima can stop John Fitch's aggressiveness and like, tenacity on getting in on the takedowns um you know there's not really many that kind of ring out to me i gotta tell you there's not many 
This one, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, like, yeah, of course. I mean, the Khabib and Tony, I, I want to see that one as well. I, I, for me, I feel like once he beats Tony, there's nothing left for him at 55, and he's already talked about. Khabib's already talked about like uh, retirement, and like once, you, not when you start bringing it up. But he's he's brought this up to me, you know, over two years ago. We when we had him on the podcast last time, he had said, "Look, my game plan is to fight two more years and then let Islam slide up into that top five conversation and have him fight for the title." He doesn't want to let go of the title until Islam is ready to take title, take the title. That's what he would. That's what he said on our on our show when we had him on last. Is that he's going to keep the title until Islam is ready, and then when Islam gets there, he will go ahead and basically like step away so Islam could fight for the title. It's very smart on his part when you think about it. Like it'll stay within his family, stay within his, you know, his group of guys. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't say there's, I mean, I am looking forward to, to DC and Steep Bay 3. I'm looking forward to that. I'm thinking in terms of, you know, man, what else? Are you excited for Conor and Cowboy? Not as I, much. I feel like there's no hype around it. I think it's going to be a good fight, but I just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I, I want to, I, you know what I am? I'm excited. Honestly, I'm excited to see Cowboy get an opportunity and a chance to fight somebody that's going to line his pockets. Right. The guy deserves it, man. Like, he honestly deserves it. He's He's been a company man for the longest time. He uh, He's done so much. I think he's done so much to help build the promotion. He's never fussed, never done anything, like, never complained. He's always been there. Like, he's always puts on good fights, win or lose. You know, um... And not just a great stand-up guy. Uh, just enjoy watching him fight, man. And seeing Connor back, I think he's also going to have that aura in the cage. I think there, a lot of talk won't be start happening though until after January, until after New Year's. Yeah, but we're already. It's going to Monday's. It doesn't gonna matter. Be... Pay-per-views don't get bought right now. They get bought, you know, the week of. That's why. So they don't really need to do a whole lot of marketing. And why put all this money into marketing when people are not home right now? They're off doing whatever they want. Like, where were you last night? I know you weren't here. Huh? <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Like, I was at dinner last night. You were out last night. Like, no one's at home going, fuck, man, I wish Connor and Kabe or Cowboy was next week. No one's doing that. So after the New Year's, they're going to start hitting the marketing hard for it, which they have been doing a little bit right now at some of the other events. Like, they're doing it. But it's just not as big as they're going to see, I think, after New Year's. When everyone's broke... After, after after tonight, when everyone's broke, they're going to be at home watching TV and they're going to be running commercial after commercial after commercial. You know, the king is back. Da -da, you know what I mean? Like, that's going to be headlining Cowboy, you know, talking about, you know, he's too small and, you know, we'd break him and he's a pencil and all this stuff. And that, that's that's the marketing they're going to use, you know, for that fight. So, do you, th do you think I lost here really put some, like, in the dumps as far as Connor, as far as like his fighting yeah career. yeah because he lost i don't think he puts him in a dump as far as his fighting career I, I just i don't know if he's gonna be able i don't like i think Connor's motivated again i think the khabib fight woke him up a little bit like he can't just come to step in and fight guys and just think but I, I said this before he fought khabib a lot better than anybody else did so to think that he and to think he hadn't fought in a while and the last time he did fight was boxing like you got I for me I cut him a lot of slack only because the fact is, and I'm not talking about his everyone. Oh, you're sticking up for a guy who does all this stuff on his personal life. I don't give a shit about that. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about his fight career, and look, he had he had fought a boxing match. He'd been getting ready for a boxing match before that, and he fought a wrestler straight right. You know, straight wrestlers like it just it wasn't a good fight for him to come back on. You know, and so he's. 
He's talking about it after he gets past Cowboy, which is a good lead up for him to fight Mazadal because they're both about the same height. I think Cowboy's a little bit taller. Very similar styles. Cowboy's got better kicks than Mazadal. Mazadal's got better hands than, than Cowboy. Uh, Mazadal, I think, has got better wrestling, but Cowboy's got better submissions. So they all kind of like, it, it kind of works well for Connor to get a win or to, to beat Cowboy. It's a good fight. I'm excited for the fight. But I'm not like super like, oh, God, I can't wait. The Tony and the Khabib fight I am. I want to see Israel Adesanya fight potentially John Jones, but not right now. I want to give him a little bit more time. That's a fight I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I'd like to see Anthony Johnson fight John Jones. I'd like to see, you know, we have a lot of guys in Bellator that I would really like to see fight as well. You know, um, I want to see Pico make a comeback. Uh, you know, and 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 establish himself back in that 145 pound division. I want to see Patricio defend two titles. You know, um, I want to see how he does. What I do want to, there is look. There's a lot of buzz right now about Adam Borich, and Adam Borich to me is now considered to be probably the sleeper in this whole tournament. And that fight to me is going to be so good. So Borich is fighting um, Caldwell. Darian Caldwell. Nothing against Darian, but Darian has just shown he it's, it tends to slow down a little bit. And when he slows down, he slows down, and he doesn't really recover. He's so fast, so athletic, so got such great wrestling. I think he will do what Aaron Pico did to Adam Borks. He'll take him down at will. He'll control the position. He'll dominate the first two rounds. But as the fight goes on, Adam's going to stay calm and composed and just walk him down and pick him apart and potentially finish him, I think, in the third, fourth round. Um, and then he gets him out of there before the fifth. Um, AJ McKee and, and Adam Borks is the fight that I really want to see the most out of that whole thing. And then Daniel Weichel and Emmanuel Sanchez should be a good fight. Patricio and Cavallo will be a great fight. But that whole thing, I mean, Patricio and Adam Borks, if they were to fight or AJ McKee fight, that would be a fight that I think there's just so much hype around AJ McKee and for him to be in there with uh, Patricio God, what a f would be great. But Patricio's got his hands full, man. Patricio, he's on the harder end of the bracket. He's fighting guys he's already fought and he's beat, except for Pedro Cavallo. But he's beaten Emmanuel Sanchez. That was a tough fight. He's beaten uh, Daniel Weichel. That was a tough fight. He beat him twice. But he was losing him the first time. He got rocked, almost got knocked out. And then he knocked out Daniel Weichel. And then he came back and he dominated the second fight. But Daniel Weichel wasn't the same fighter. He was more uh, hesitant, didn't pick and didn't. He was trying to pick and choose his shots and just wasn't getting off. Patricio's a lot better fighter now, though, than he was back then. So I think out of those guys, AJ McKee and Patricio, those two guys meeting in the finals will be the best for the promotion. But I think Adam Borix and AJ McKee, that fight will probably be the one of the best fights we see. So, I mean, there's a lot of good fights that I want to see. I want to see... Uh, Lima, you know, go up and potentially wait or have uh, Musasi come down. I want to see the Lovato and Musasi fight rematch. I want to see that fight again. You know, I want to see what happens with Fedor. Fedor is going to fight probably Josh Barnett. I can't wait to see that fight. That's another fight I want to see. And then the potential of uh, Bellator going to Moscow, you know, for Russia. I want to do that as well. I mean, like, there's I, there's so much stuff going on. I mean, I'm looking at it as, as a promotional standpoint. Um I'd like to see, you know, what hap what's in store for um what's in store for Bellator and, you know, and maybe the potential merging of CBS and CBS Sports and Showtime with Bellator as well. So those are all those things that I want to see. 
you know, it's good. I, I think there's a lot of good fights on the horizon. We'll see as time goes on. Because, look, the fights that I want to see, those are the fights that we don't always get to see. You know what I mean? Like, there's fights we haven't, we've had in our mind for years. You know, all I heard for years when I was with Strikeforce, when, as soon as the UFC bought Strikeforce, man, we didn't see Josh Thompson fight Cowboy Cerrone. We didn't see Josh Thompson fight Anthony Pettis. Fights were never even offered. So you, there's all the talk and all the buzz and the promotions were talking, like the, the websites were talking about it. Fights never came about. You know, so when, when it comes down to it, some fights just, they never happen. You know, and that's, we gotta, you know, we just gotta see, just gotta enjoy what's in front of us. You know, I mean, like what we have now in front of us is the Featherweight World Grand Prix for Bellator, which that is gonna be a bunch of great fights. And Julia Budd and Cyborg. And then we've got, you know, I, I actually, because I'm a big Rory fan, uh, especially now after working with him and talking with him and getting to know his family and everything like that, I'm excited to see him win uh, that the PFL tournament, you know, several times over. You know, he'll be a multimillionaire by the time he decides to retire. You know, there's not a guy in that division. There's not a guy in that promotion that could beat him. I think he could win the 185-pound one. I think he could win the 170-pound one. I think hey, if he wanted to go to 205, he could probably win that one too. I mean, there's not a guy in that division that could touch him in that in that whole promotion. So he's good. Um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. What are you doing tonight? I'm gonna. I, we are doing an 11 p.m. workout here until midnight at my gym. So we're gonna work out here and we're gonna toast the New Year's. I'm gonna have the appetizers and food. Everyone, a bunch of the members are bringing you know their kids and their family and friends that are visiting out of town. So we go from 11 to 11:55. Then we all uh, start drinking, you know, and toast, toast the midnight, have a couple uh, snacks and some appetizers, and then everyone just heads home, man. It's real casual. We're out of here by 1230 and back in bed. Get ready for the new year, baby. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're sick. I'm sick. I'm gonna yeah. Go. Wife is sick. Yep. We're baby's sick. Eh, baby's all right. Baby's all right. Do you see I shaved his head? No. Tanya's I, mad poor at me kid. Right Why? You <laughs> want to look like you? Poor yeah. kid. Poor kid. <laughs> want to look handsome like his dad? Oh, man. Yeah. Poor kid. <laughs> Uh, no, that's it, man. This is all we do. All right. Hey, you guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you guys hit the subscribe button. If your question didn't get answered or there wasn't a question that you didn't get your question in at time, you know, start, start, uh, hitting us in the comment sections and we'll start doing that as well. I want to start doing maybe one, one a week. Uh, 2020 is going to be a good year. We need you guys though, to help share, share our podcast. Uh, big John McCarthy and I do weighing in and then we do fan questions as well. Look, a lot of good big fights coming up. Julia Budd, Cyborg, you know, uh, Conor McGregor and um, Cowboy Cerrone. Also, you guys, I'm going to say this. Check me out on Joe Rogan's podcast at the end of January. I'll be doing his show. I cannot wait. That's going to be fun, man. I'm excited. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Him and I have been chatting back and forth for years. And uh, I'm hoping to get together, back together with uh, Brendan Schaub as well and do one of his shows, uh, maybe leading up to the Tony and Khabib fight because him and I had talked about that as well um, when he was supposed to fight Conor McGregor. And Brendan was, you know, on the Conor bandwagon and I trained with Khabib. So, you know, and I had to prove him wrong. And it was, it was a good time. We had a good time, man. Always good time with the boys. And... I'm excited. 2020 is going to be a good year for everyone. You guys, please be safe tonight. Don't drink and drive. Have a good time. Uh, get home safe and enjoy the new year. Happy new year, you guys.